talking about the armor of God and um, you know we're going to go over the text. So this is going to be a little different this morning. Now typically the way that we teach here is, uh, is, is topical where we take a topic and then we rummage through the word of God and, and see what he says about it. Uh, this morning it's going to be expositional is what the term is. It just means you take a passage and you just go for it and you really look into that specific passage. Okay, So that's what we're going to do. So I'm going to invite you really quickly uh, to go ahead and turn in your Bibles or in your phone app. I highly recommend version Bible app. If you have a smartphone, uh, I, you have my permission to take your phone out right now and download that thing and, um, and, and use it. Um, the reason is it allows you to quickly change between all the different versions uh, that are out there. Um, and so I, I sometimes like to switch around in versions. So I'm going to read, it's going to be Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to look at verses 10 through 19. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 19, and we're, I'm going to read them in the New Living Translation. If you don't have that translation, you might just want to listen, and then we're going to go back and we're going to break down this passage of Scripture, okay? So just so you know, uh, Ephesians is written by the Apostle Paul. Paul is a guy that was, that was charged by the Lord to spread the good news of Jesus Christ to the non-Jews, okay? So while uh, Peter and some of the others uh, were, were preaching to the Jews that their Messiah had come, Paul was taking the good news of Jesus to everyone who wasn't a Jew uh, and was wildly, wildly successful. And in, in, in a large part, it's due to the Apostle Paul that... Uh, that Europe and then eventually the Americas were introduced to Jesus Christ. And so he's writing to a city. The city's called Ephesus. And the people that lived in Ephesus were called Ephesians. Y'all are so smart. Wow. That's awesome. You know, it's called Ephesians. So he's writing a letter to a city, and it was passed around from church to church. Now, at this point in time, Paul is in prison. He's he's imprisoned for his faith. We may think that we're under persecution here for our faith, but I don't know of anyone that's been thrown in prison yet for believing in Jesus. He was in this nasty, stanky prison writing a letter to the churches and encouraging them, okay? And so he's at the end of his letter. Six is the last chapter of Ephesians. He's at the end of his letter, and he's reminding them uh, to stand strong, okay? And so that's where we're going to pick up. It's verse 10. The words of the Apostle Paul, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and uh, and authorities in the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore... Put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then, after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor, or breastplate, of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you'll be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Verse 17, put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Verse 18, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. In the beginning of verse 19, he says, and pray for me too. 
pray for me too. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. God, we pray, Lord, that it would sink deep down into our hearts, Lord, that we would understand what your inspired word would say to us today. Father, we let go of all of our preconceived ideas and notions about who you are, what you want, and what you've said, and we go fresh to your word this morning, and we allow ourselves to be taught as if it was the first time. We love you, and we honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Cool. All right, so we're going to break down this passage. How many of you have heard that before, right? It's it's a pretty popular passage of Scripture, okay? But we're going to go through it, and as we go through just a section at a time, I'm going to try to draw out a couple points that we need to to recognize and realize that these are points of truth that, that we need to learn to live our lives by, okay? So first of all, let's look at the first part, uh, verses uh, 10 through 11, it says, a final word, be strong in the Lord in his mighty power and put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. Now, the first thing I want you to see here is this. You can either be strong or weak in the Lord. He says, be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. So if you can be strong in the Lord, then logically you cannot be strong in the Lord. And it's not God's job to make you strong in the Lord. It's your job to make you strong in the Lord, right? It's interesting. That this, if you look at the Greek, it's really cool. It says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Now, when I first heard it in the New King James Version, it says, in the power of his might, okay? And if you look that up, it literally means in Greek, in the strength of his ability and the strength of his ability see God's not asking you to be strong because you're strong he's asking you to be strong because he's strong so really really big difference isn't there as a matter of fact if you were to see this in the amplified version of the bible it says be strong in the lord in the in his mighty power it says this draw your strength from him and be empowered from your union with him Draw your strength from God and be empowered from your union with him. See, the power of God is found in the person of God. The power of God is found in the person of Jesus. See, your union with him... Your union with him is what gives you the power. Now, a lot of us want the power. There's actually a story in Acts of a sorcerer that sees the power of God at work, and he tries to pay the apostles for it, right? And so people see that God is awesome, God is holy, God is wonderful. We've all done this. Maybe some of you don't know the Lord yet, and you're here this morning because you want his power to work on your behalf because you know he can help you. Or, Or maybe before you were a believer, if you're a believer, Maybe before then, you were making deals with God. God, if you'll just get me out of this mess, right? Am I talking to the right people? If you'll just get me out of this mess, Lord, I promise I will never do this and I will always do this. And then all of a sudden, God comes through and you're like, yeah, about that, (laughs) right? So the power of God is tied to the person of God. It's your union with him. Your union with him that creates the strength that you need, okay? Now, here's the other thing I want you to see. You have an enemy, and he has a plan. Now, this is not fun to talk about. It's fun to think, everybody likes me, God loves me, my church loves me, and and believe me, we love you, God loves you, but you need to know, you need to know, 
you have an enemy. There is an existing being and beings out there that hate your guts. You need to know that. You need to recognize that. You have an enemy. He is real. He exists. Now, we're going to talk a little bit more in detail going further about how he operates. Because everyone's like, the devil's after me. And I'm like, girl, the devil doesn't know who you are, okay? <laughs> so we'll, t- we'll talk about how that works in a little bit, okay? <clears throat> but, so, so, but the devil is real. The demonic realm is real. I mean, it's very real. It's nothing to be afraid of. But, but you, it's, it's also nothing to act like it. I mean, you, you don't act like it doesn't exist, Right? And so you have an enemy, and he has a plan. First Peter 5, 8 uh, says that the enemy goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He wants to devour you. You are an image bearer of Christ Jesus. If you're a believer, you have taken on the image of Jesus Christ. He hates that. He rebelled against the Lord. All right? He hates Jesus. He hates Jesus' followers. So if you are one, that means he hates you. Okay? Um, and so you need to understand that. You have an enemy and, and there's not just some nebulous thing out there that hates you. He has a plan. Like, he has strategies of warfare against the church of Jesus Christ. That's what it says. It says that you may be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. Now, this word for strategies here in the Greek is actually a, a word. It's methodia, methodia, and it's where we would get our word method from. But a method is kind of devoid of any morality or anything like that. Um, it's actually defined as deception or trickery. It's a strategy, but really strategy is not the best translation here. In the New King James, it says schemes. The schemes. It's underhanded strategy. It's not fair. You need to understand this. The devil does not play fair. He is not interested in the rules, right? Have you ever played, um, when, when I was little, you know, we'd play backyard basketball or football or soccer or whatever, and the rules were always changing, <laughs> Right, and it depended on whoever made up the rules. Like, okay, new rule, new rule. Uh, did, am I the only one? Right, new rule. Okay, new rule, new rule. The rules. Were, look, the devil does not give a rip about the rules. He will tempt you, and then laugh at you for giving in to his temptation. He, he doesn't play fair. Okay, that's not the way that he works. So. We need to understand that there, he does have a plan. He does have a strategy. He's like a roaring lion looking for prey. Looking for prey. Seeing who can I devour. Who can, now, he can only, this is the good news, he can only devour you if you let him. Okay? He can only devour you if you let him. And this is what this whole passage is about, is making sure that you don't let him. Okay? But we need to understand this. And, and here's the last thing we can pull from this. Okay? God has provided the necessary equipment for you to be victorious. God has provided the necessary equipment for you to be victorious. Everything you need. Everything you, you don't need the latest book that they're peddling at the latest conference. You don't, you don't need all that stuff. I mean, that stuff is great. I read Christian books all the time. But I'm telling you, in order to be victorious in your life with, with, with Christ, in your journey here on earth, in your walk with the Lord, he has given you everything that you already need. 
All right? He's given you the equipment. He's given you the armor. And what we're going to be doing in the weeks to come in this series is we're actually going to be breaking down and talking about each part of the armor specifically and what it does and how to use it. It's going to get really, really practical up in here. Okay? And we're going to talk about how you can be, um, be ready and be prepared. But here's the thing. God has given you the equipment, right? But it's up to you to do two things. First of all, you've got to put it on. I mean, what, what good is a, a, a brand new, uh, you know, piece of equipment? I mean, if, if ladies, you go out and you s- drop a bunch of money on a brand new outfit, you felt really good in it when you tried it on, and then it just sits in your closet. What good is it? Right? What good is it? You've got to wear it. You bought it to wear it. Well, God gave it for you to wear it. So you have to put it on. You also have to learn how to use it right. Right? I mean, if you're in the middle of battle and you're wearing your helmet and you've got your breastplate and, you know, you've got your boots on, you've got your sword and everything and your shield, and someone comes at you, you don't take off your helmet and fling it at him. That's a misuse of the equipment. That's not how it works. Right? You need to know how to use your equipment. And so it's a commitment on your part as we study this month to, to, to be here. Look, if you, miss it, if you miss the sermon here, we have tons of ways for you to still hear it. It's, 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 it's the videos online. You can go to iTunes. There's a podcast of it, right? There's CDs out in the foyer. Once we start FaceTime groups, we're going to be talking about every sermon that we do. So I'd love for you to join a FaceTime group in a few weeks when they start. So there, there are lots of ways for you to get the word in you. But, but you should commit. You should go ahead and make the decision this morning and say, I, I'm going to commit to the Lord has taken the time and effort to provide me with the necessary equipment. So I'm going to learn how to put it on and how to use it. Amen? Amen. Let's look at the next verse here. Verse 12 says this, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, That's, that would be people, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against the evil spirits in the heavenly places. So, we, we've got a couple of things. Now, first of all, he says, no, we're not battling against flesh and blood enemies, but we are fighting have you ever gone through a season in your life where you felt like, man, every day I get up, it's a flipping battle. I feel like I'm in a war. Do you know why you feel that way? Because you're in a flipping battle. You're in a war. That's, how, that's why you feel that way. It's because you, we are in a war, and it's unseen. And so, so part of the enemy's tactics, we talk about the schemes, the trickery, the deceit, is to make you think you're not in a war. It's to make you think, oh, no, that's, I, you know, I just don't know if I believe all that. But until you get into serious trouble, then you become a believer, right? And then you need the Lord's help. He's like, well, where's the armor? Where's the armor that I gave you that you could have been wearing? So you need to understand, you are in a battle. And and. Battles are hard. They're tiring. They're frustrating. Uh, the, the, the word that's used in the New King James here is wrestling. It says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Wrestle. How, how many of you ever wrestled? Like, yeah, like in, like in high school or something? Man, that's some tiring stuff. I never wrestled, but I had an older brother. So that's, okay, it's similar. <laughs> and, and we would... You know, you, you get mad at each other, and like, all right, here we go. It's going on. Here we go. And then like 30 seconds later, you're like, <sighs> you win. You win, right? Because no, it's, it's hard. Wrestling is hard. Battling is hard. Have you ever watched a, like an action flick 
or, or I, one of the series I liked, and it's off the air now, but it was 24, Jack Bauer. He was amazing, right? He's like Superman. Superman wears Jack Bauer underwear is what I heard. I mean, he's like incredible. I always thought of two things when I watched that show. One is when do they charge their phones? I, they just always drove me crazy. Their phones always had battery. I don't, this is the things I think of. Also, hey, can I go ahead and ruin every movie and TV show you've ever seen for you? Okay, this is, seriously, this is going to mess with you, so you might want to plug up your ears. But you need to know this, is, is that on every TV show, like, they never close doors. And you're thinking, really? Uh, seriously, uh, watch, every show, they never close doors. Whenever someone walks in a door, the, the, the camera pans away. It's like, it's like this dangerous situation. <laughs> like, we were dealing with people with open doors in their home. Like, close the door. See, some of you are like, I don't, I don't, I've never seen that. But now, every single show you watch, it's ruined from here on out. They don't close doors. It's really weird. I don't know why. Maybe someone from Hollywood can tell us. So, but, but, but you're in a battle. So when I watch those, those TV shows, not just when, when do they plug in their phone, but the question was, how do they deal with the physical stamina? Like, like these, like, have you ever seen, like, a fight in a movie, and these guys are fighting, right, and they're getting punched left and right? It's like... That's so fake. Like, after three punches, someone would be on the ground. Like, it'd be over, right? But they keep hitting each other and kicking each other, and it's almost like boom, 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 boom. Like, it doesn't sound like that when you hit someone, right? Like, the Rocky movies, you see, them? like, those guys would have been out a long time ago, right? There's no way the body can withstand that. Look, battling, wrestling, fighting, it's hard. And you're like, Lord, I, I want the church to grow. Okay, the, okay, but it's hard work. Lord, I want to grow spiritually. Okay, that's, that's, you should, that is, but you need to know it's hard. It's hard work. You, you will have to deal with fatigue. Battles are hard. Now, the Lord promises strength. He says he will renew our strength like the eagles. There's so many promises. Because again, everything we need for battle is found in him. But you need to understand that you are in a battle. And ignoring it doesn't make it go away. You're in a battle, Amen. Here's the other thing, and this is the main point of the scripture. Your battle is not against people. Your battle is not against people. Now, it's easy to think that people are the battle, that people are the point. Why? Because they're what we see. All right? They're what we see. So it's easy to fixate on someone who's annoying us or driving us crazy or an unbeliever that's being testy and, and debating and and that kind of stuff, and think, well, they're just, I'm just going to go ahead and write them off. Lord, you can take them to hell now. <laughs> right? But that's, that's not, that you're giving in to the deception. That's one of the strategies, the schemes, the underhanded strategies of the enemy. It's to make you think your battle's against people, and it's not. It's not what the Word says. What does it say? It's against evil rulers, authorities, unseen, in the unseen world, evil spirits. See, the people who were not believers are not your enemy. They are captives in the war. They're captives. You should not feel sorry for them, but you should be concerned for them. Jesus said in Luke 4.18, and we won't turn there for the sake of time, but it's basically Jesus' um, mission statement. He says that I've come to set free the captives. See, unbelievers are not your enemy they are your rescue mission. They're captives. We are in battle against the captors, not the captives. 
And so it's really, really easy to begin to focus on people who drive us nuts, people who don't believe like we do, people who refuse to act right. And it's annoying, especially if it's someone you love and care about. But they are not the problem. The problem is the spiritual world that's affecting them and making them make bad decisions. Now, we have a flesh. Just, I'm just going to say this and then move on because we don't have time. Just to balance it out. A lot of the sin issues we all deal with is the flesh. A lot of it's the flesh. There's so many lists of, of, of sins and, and activities and things that we deal with. And Scripture clearly says that it's, it's a work of the flesh. It's not like, and every bad thing that happens isn't like a demon. Okay, Most of it is actually just our flesh. We, we don't even need the devil to hurt us sometimes. We do such a good job of it ourselves, right? And so, but, but you need to understand, your battle is not against people. It's not against people. Non-Christians are captives. They're not the enemy. Amen? Amen. That's why when, when an unbeliever comes here, you guys, we should rejoice. We should be ecstatic. We should be jumping up and down. I know they're not a believer, and that is wonderful that they're here because they now have a chance to be released out of captivity. Amen? Amen. Here's the other thing from this verse. You need to learn how to fight properly. If we're in a battle and if we have have determined who the enemy really is, it's not people. It's a spiritual, supernatural world. Then we have to learn how to deal with the demonic realm. We have to learn how to do this. Now, there, you know, we tend towards extremes. I don't know if you know this. In, in theological circles and in, in, in churches, we tend towards extremes. We tend to be on one end or way over here on another end. So, for instance, one, one end is that the devil is a much bigger deal than he is. And if you grew up in a, in a Pentecostal tradition, you probably grew up singing songs about the devil. He's under my feet. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? That's always driven me crazy. So we've set aside time to worship God, and we're going to talk about his enemy. That drives me nuts. You, you want to put the enemy under your feet? You want to put the enemy under, under, God's, under God's feet? Worship the Lord. Exalt him, and the enemy just stays where he is, and he's below we don't have to sing about it. I went to the enemy's camp, right? You, we don't have to do that. Jesus already went to the enemy's camp. He's already been victorious for us. Worship him. Worship him. Amen? So we, we've got in some circles an unhealthy uh, obsession with, with like the supernatural and, and, and the devil and all that kind of stuff, I knew a guy who would actually purchase tapes, tapes, mail order, of, and listen to like exorcisms. He thought it was interesting. And it's like, dude, what is wrong? Like, you could be like paying for someone's meal and sharing the gospel with them. You know? So, look, we need to learn how to fight properly. So that's one extreme is making a big, look, let me tell you about the devil. The devil is a created being, all right? He was created as Lucifer by the Lord, all right? He rebelled against God. He is not equal. He is not Jesus' equal. He is not God's equal. He is a fallen angel. He's a fallen angel. He cannot hear your thoughts, all right? He, 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 can't do, he is not omnipotent, omniscient. He's nowhere near what God is. As a matter of fact, there's a scripture that says that one day we're going to look at the devil, when all this is over, we're going to be like, this is the guy? This is the one? Wow. Huh. He sure had a lot of bark. He sure sounded big. 
Okay? So, so we don't need to make too big of a, of a deal about the, about the devil. Now, on the other side are those that don't make a big enough deal. Those that ignore the supernatural. Those that ignore the fact that there is a demonic realm. All right? For many people, he's either too strong or too weak. And, and, and there are scriptures that say, look, you have a worthy adversary. You don't need to be afraid of him. You, you, don't, you don't need to, uh, to cower in fear, but you need to know his schemes. You need to know his strategies. You need to be aware, right? It says the, the, the devil walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He wants to devour you. You need to be aware. You need to walk, as the scripture says, circumspectly, all right? Looking around, awareness. Is this a trap? Okay, so there's there's a there's a balance between those two, and then of course there are also those that just that believe all this is baloney, that there is no devil, there is no hell, there are no demons, and you know what the devil would say to that? He would say, "Nice pride." That's what got me kicked out too. We're beyond that. We've evolved beyond demons and angels. We've you know that was for a previous time, and now we have more scientific understanding and, and stuff. Yeah, nice pride. Nice pride. That was the devil's downfall too. It really was. We don't want to be like that. We want to have a balanced approach to who the enemy is. Amen? Amen. Amen. This is the last verse we're going to look at and take apart here. Verse 13 says, Therefore put on every piece of God's armor so that you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then, after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Man, that's what I want. I want to be standing firm. Now, when we read the scripture, I've got some good news and some bad news for you, okay? We're going to start with the bad news. Is that all right? Then we're going to move to the good news. Here here they are. The bad news is you are promised a battle. But the good news is you're promised a victory. See, I'd love to tell you that there won't be a battle. I'd love to. I'd love to be able to promise you. As a matter of fact, that's a really good way to grow a church is to make a bunch of promises that aren't in Scripture about how God's going to make everything go great for you and nothing's ever going to go wrong and you're never going to have to believe Him for a breakthrough. And every, as soon as you become a Christian, whoo, I tell you, Jesus makes everything perfect. But I'd be lying to you. I'd be lying to you. And what would happen to you is that you would then come to Jesus, I make you Lord of my life, so everything becomes perfect. I never have problems. But then what would happen is a little bit down the road, you'd have a problem and you'd question your relationship with the Lord. Instead of learning how to fight through and walk with him through the problem, you would say, well, maybe I didn't get saved. Maybe he doesn't love me. Maybe I can't be forgiven. We teach a false gospel, we're going to get bad results. And so we need to understand, you are promised a battle. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. There is a battle for you to fight. But the good news, you guys, this is good news. You have been promised victory. If you will do, what, if you will study this month with us, if you will do the things, learn how to do what God has instructed you to do, you can be victorious. I'm not going to say it's always going to be easy, But I'm going to say that the outcome is sure. And we have to make that decision. And here's the other thing. You're called to stand, not run away. You know, once you know something, you're now accountable to that information. Look, guys, there's an unseen realm. There's a war. There are angels. There are demons. There's a God. There's a devil. 
And you're accountable for that knowledge. You're accountable what you do with that information. And, and we've been called, it says, after the battle, you will still be standing firm. You'll still be standing. I want to be one that's still standing. Look, we've been through countless battles. I mean, gosh, you know, so many things that we've gone through. And maybe we'll share some of these throughout, throughout the month as we study this. But, um, you know, I, I, can, I can honestly say I didn't do everything perfectly. But, dadgummit, I'm still standing. I'm still standing. And I want that testimony to be yours as well. I want it to be yours as well. You were called to stand. Now, I'm not going to get into the armor this morning, but I will tell you this. As you read and study this scripture, there is not a single piece of armor that goes on your back. There is no protection for cowards. As a matter of fact, in the Roman army, these actual, uh, you know, Pieces that, that the helmet, the breastplate, the shoes, the, the, the loins girded with the belt, and the sword, the shield, that, that's all they had. There was no armor in the Roman, because they figured if you're going to turn around and run, then you've sealed your own fate. We, we're not going to take care of you. I know that's kind of harsh, but the, but the scripture says, Jesus says that the kingdom is not fit for someone who puts their hand to the plowshare and keeps looking back, because you're going to run off the road. You're going to cause damage. All right, so we're moving forward. We are not, we're called to stand. And you're going, to be, you're going to be scared. I mean, it's scared to be holding your shield and there are these fiery darts coming at you. It's scary. It's, it's difficult. But you can do it. But, but the number one thing that, that, that seals your defeat is to turn tail and run. That will seal your defeat. Stand. Stand strong. Stand strong. Stand firm. Don't give ground. Use your weapons. Learn how to use your weapons. Learn how to use them correctly. Learn how to put on the armor. Ignorance is not bliss when it comes to our spiritual battle. Ignorance is surrender. If you stay willfully ignorant in the spiritual battle that we're in, you will, by default, be surrendering. There's, there's so much better for you. There's so much more that God wants for you than to just be a statistic, than to just be someone that surrenders, than to be someone that waves the white flag when it gets hard. You're worth more than you've got more. You've got the Holy Spirit inside of you. You can stand. You can fight. You can fight smart. You don't have to be drained all the time. You can be, you, you can, you can be a, wise, a wise soldier. But you're a soldier. And maybe you came here this morning and you were hoping that I would kind of pat you on the back and tell you how great you are. And you are great, by the way, and God loves you. But, but I love you enough to tell you the truth that you're in a battle. And, and i got to ask you this question as we end. When the battle rages, will you be dressed to kill? When the battle rages, because it's going to come. Some of you are in the middle of it right now. Some of you are like, good Lord, I've been fighting forever. But when it comes, are you going to be dressed to kill? Are you going to do what the word says? God has preserved his word. The the Bible is a miracle. Its existence is a miracle. It was preserved over centuries when there was no easy way to preserve documents. All other texts that happened around the same time as the Bible, they're all gone. Okay, they're all gone. We have just tiny little snippets. But the Bible in its totality has been preserved. It's a miracle. God has written down his word for you. He moved on the heart of the Apostle Paul while in prison. He thought he was encouraging the Ephesians only. 
that he was encouraging all of us in the future. It's been preserved for you. Let's learn it. Let's live it. Let's make it a part of who we are. And let's be dressed to kill. So when the battle comes, we won't surrender due to ignorance and we won't surrender due to not knowing what we're doing. But we'll be faithful and we'll win the battle. Amen? Amen. Let's stand for prayer.